the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The 2015 Florida State Champions are the Apopka Blue Darters. Thanks for being here. Now let's head back out to Porky's Live with Roger Franklin Williams. Special edition, a conversation with Coach Rick Darlington. Here's Roger. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. A program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. It's great that you're joining us today. We have a special edition. We're pleased to be joined by Coach Rick Darlington, longtime head coach of our, of our Pop Blue Darters, who recently announced that he will, has resigned to take on a new opportunity at Enterprise High School in Alabama. We'll go to Coach D in just a moment. Joe Ferraro is here. We're coming to you live from the front porch at Porky's. It's hump day at Porky's. We invite you to come on up and join us and have a great lunch at Porky's Original Barbecue in the heart of downtown Apopka. also want to take this opportunity to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and great Christmas holiday season. Well, Coach, it's great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Roger. I've always enjoyed it. And we just get right into the meat of things. Um, and I do want to let you know that some of the things I'd like to talk to you about are things that we've actually talked about before. But I know we have a lot of new listeners to our program today that may have heard those things. So we might cover some of those ground that we've covered before as well as other things, too. Whatever you like. Well, first of all, what were some of the specific reasons you made the decision to resign in Apopka and make the move as head coach of Enterprise High School in Alabama? Well, I think the the number one thing is I just felt that, you know, was God had kind of delivered me a new challenge, you know, a new opportunity to kind of do the things that we do, but do it in a new place, you know, where football is important like Apopka, you know, but we have some new faces, you know, and again, uh, I've been at Apopka for 17 years, the last 13 in a row, and uh, loved it, man. Love, love the town, the people. That, that's the thing that's the best thing. People say, what are you going to miss the most? The people, you know, especially in the school. You know, I've had five great principals that all let me do it the way I wanted to do it. I've had a faculty the whole time that's been behind us, had great players, great coaches. It's just been the town. You know, I think about the mayor and – you know, some of the other people like yourself that have just totally been supportive of it. So it's hard to leave a place that's so special to me, you know, but I feel I'm going to one that can be special too. And I've got a lot of years left to coach. You know, I'm thinking, you know, my coach, Coach Castle, he's 73. He just won his seventh state title. Well, I'm 53, so I figure I got at least 20 left in me, right? And so. At least? At least. (laughs) So it's exciting, you know, because sometimes as a man, you just need a new challenge. So there was nothing about a popka that made me want to leave. I didn't apply for this job. I didn't interview for this job. They basically hand-selected me on Coach Castle's recommendation and came down here and talked to me. And, you know, the more I thought about it, prayed about it, talked to my family, it just seemed like an opportunity that we were all very excited about. So a hard decision, but I think a good one for my family. Friends, you're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. We're glad you're joining us. We're speaking with Coach Rick Darlington, longtime legendary Apopka Blue Daughter football coach. And, Coach, you know, there was an article in the Sentinel you know, Sunday, actually, by Bianchi that addressed the impact of the recent 
open enrollment law in Florida, which I call <laughs> high school free agency, and, <laughs> and the impact it's having on high school football, and specifically opening the floodgates for players to transfer to another school. How has that open enrollment law affected high school football in Central Florida? And in your opinion, how much did that affect your decision? It really wasn't a factor in my decision because, again, like I said, I wasn't looking to leave. You know, but uh, I think that as far as the first part of the question, how much it impacts Central Florida, I think this is a really bad place for that. You know, because if you're in Miami, Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, the bigger cities <coughs> where you have a lot of schools close together, it's going to be really hard for someone to build a program because if you're a team that's been losing for a long time, then all your good players kind of get picked off by their schools, you know, and that could be by high school coaches recruiting or it could be by youth football coaches steering people there, boosters, parents. There's all kinds of ways to do it that's not directly through the school or the coaching staff. And so it's hard to build a program because, you know, if you haven't been successful, Kids don't stay to help you become successful. Another pe- uh, another group of schools that are going to struggle are the ones that you know have high standards of discipline and, and, and behavior and making them you know behave ra- act right do right you know because again kids are you know not always wanting to do that or the parents don't want to do that and they don't want to do that they go to this other school over here and they can kind of do what they want to do so again it's hard to keep. You know, it's hard to keep a good program going if you're disciplined. It's hard to build a good program if you haven't been one. You know, and there are certain schools around Orlando that uh, have always benefited from transfers. You know, as long as I've been coaching here since 1999, there were always different schools. It kind of rotated. I'm not going to name them, but, you know, you can look at them, and they've always won. And then maybe a coach moved on, and then the uh, the transfers stopped, and then they stopped winning. You know, and um, you know, this year there was a school that got all the transfers, and last year there was a school that got all the transfers, and those schools have been very successful, both in the regular season and the playoffs. And I will know Mandarin. You know, you look at Mandarin this year. We played them last year, beat them fifty-five to twelve. Well, they came down and they beat us fair and square, twenty-one-seven, but with a whole different team, different quarterback, all the different receivers, different running back. <laughs> so they had a whole new team that came in this year, and so again they won the state championship in. Uh, in 8A, and then, you know, Lakeland had a lot of transfers. They had the benefit of that. They won 7A. We lost to them. So, you know, uh, it seems like and when the rule was first enacted a couple years ago, someone wrote an article and said there's going to be super teams out there. And it really has happened. You know, in each area of a, t- of a city, there are certain schools that are getting all the transfers and building super teams. And it's almost like in college, you know, you look at the roster and say where the kids are from. It's almost like that in high school now. You look at a roster, you don't say, well, they're all from this town. <laughs> well, he's from here, he's from there, he's from there. And it's funny, but that's been like that forever in Florida. As, far as, as long as I've coached, I remember that. But now it's legal. And it's easy. And so now it's just an epidemic proportions. Whereas before, they'd kind of have to kind of go back door to do it or whatever. Nowadays, it's not even hard. You just kind of move where you want to move. So I don't think it's good, you know, but it didn't make me leave a pop. I wasn't saying, well, I'm going to take my ball and go home. You know, if this opportunity hadn't come up, I think I would have been at Popka for many, many more years. Uh, my son is going to be a senior next year. I think that there's a, a lot of good players coming back at Popka. I felt that if we we're going to win a state championship again soon, it's going to be next year. And so um, there are a lot of reasons for me to stay. And so 
I'm not leaving because of the way I feel about the rules of transfers in Florida. That's really not a factor. I was leaving because I thought it was a great opportunity for me to go off and do something new that was good for me, good for my family, and I'm excited about that. And now, Coach, I'd like to ask you about just what you've achieved here and the way you went about it. And, you know, even casual observers, as I said before earlier, of high school football know about <laughs> your explosive offense, the success you've had on the field, the, th- the three state championships, the Popkins elite program with a national reputation. But the thing that stands out most to me, as we talked about a little bit before, is is about is, – is, you know your coaching style it's 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 the principles upon which you've built the program you know the off the field accountability that you stress the non football goals that you seek to achieve and can you share your your, your mission as a coach and and and, and, and the way you went went about what you've done well, I've always thought that football is a vehicle you use to build men. You know, it's not an English class, a math class. It's not required. Kids want to do it, you know, so therefore it's an extracurricular activity. You know, you're not going to have a pep rally for a math class. You know, you're not going to have 8,000 people come out to watch a math test. So football is kind of something kids want to do, and I think you can use it to build men. I don't think everyone does that nowadays. A lot of coaches just want to win. I guess you'd say at all costs, but I've always thought that if you build men and you have good players, then you're going to end up, uh, you know, winning games. And we, I've, I've been able to put together a coaching staff that does it. And I can't understate, uh, overstate it, I guess you'd say, but I've been at Apopka for 17 years. I've had five principals. I had John Edwards, Bill Floyd, Doug Guthrie, Matt Arnold, and now Lyle Hines. And every one of those five has totally let me run the program the way I see fit. They've been behind me. They supported me. They've never undercut me. They let me hire coaches. They let me organize you know, our, our, our football team the way we need to do it for our off-season program. They've done everything to help me. And so that's pretty special. You know, you figure if you're going to have five principals, one or two are going to be <coughs> somewhat tough to work for, and I haven't had that at all. I've had five great ones, and so I'm very thankful for that. And, again, the faculty has been great because if, if a kid's in trouble in class, whether it be tardies or disrespect or academic deficiencies, the, the, the faculty lets me handle that as opposed to sending them to a dean or lunch detention. They let me handle the discipline, and, um, and that's been good too. Because, again, I'm sure a kid would much rather have a lunch detention than to, than to come down and see us in the pit, as we say. So, um, and my principals have been behind that. They've let us do that. And that's kind of – I've known that if I went somewhere else in Florida, I might not have that. Whereas one of the first things they, they asked me in Alabama was, Coach, you uh, able to handle a paddle? Because we can still spank the kids up here. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I've got one named Leon uh, that uh, that we do use on our children. So uh, that was kind of funny. But uh, I think that's one of the reasons they wanted me to come up there and coach was because of having discipline and a competitive team that plays with class. And I'll just add before we move on that I got you know the the unique perspective that Joe and I are blessed to have to you know cover the team closely. I've I've witnessed uh, you know that. I mean I still remember when I was up at um, Lake City the preseason game we played up there and it was a uh, you know first week of school. I think school was starting the next week maybe and um, or it might have been already started. Um, but anyway, it was early early in the school year and I remember after the game you know when people come up around the huddle as you're talking to the team. It was you were talking um, after about football. We were talking about, hey, kid, guys, this is the first week of school. You know, there's um, 
going to be uh, kid, kids not doing the right thing. There are going to be kids acting out. You, first of all, you don't be one of those kids, but even more so, you, I don't want you guys just not, not to do th- the wrong thing. I want you to do the right thing. I, and I want you to see, if you see somebody doing the wrong thing, I want you to go over there and stop them from doing it. And so I, that that's the kind of thing, that's what I'll remember about Rick Darling. And, and reason it's, it, 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 it uh, hits home with me because that was exactly the things that my father talked about when he came here in 1946. That, one of his major goals as principal, you know, a lot of other goals, of course, but one of the major goals was to build an outstanding athletic program on those principles and for those reasons, because athletics um, could 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 be a, a way to reach students that might not be able to reach any other way, but 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 to build a program where the, where the athletes just weren't great ball players and winners on the field, but they were they were great citizens and, and great leaders around 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 the school. Well, I've always felt like football players by nature are going to be popular and it's the first sport of the year. You know, Doug Guthrie and I used to talk about this. And so if the football team's doing good, you've got good school spirit, good morale, the school runs better. You have less discipline problems, believe it or not. But if football players are jerks, okay, that's a problem in the school. You know, in a lot of places, sadly to say, they are. And if football players are good people, then that is a great morale booster for the school. You know, I'll use two kids as an example. You know, Chandler Cox and Martez Ivy. You know, those guys are you know major college players. You know, great players. But those were great people, and everybody loved those guys. Teachers loved them. Other students loved them, and they were humble. You know, that's one thing we always talk about: is God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's a lost art, I guess you'd say, in today's society with kids, is because you see everybody on Twitter and and Instagram and Snapchat. Chat and it's me, 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 me. And, you know, look at me. And it's like, you know, humility is not thinking less of yourself than you should. It's not thinking about yourself. And so I think that we try to have our guys be humble because think about the people that are not humble. You're not attracted to those people. You don't want to be around those people. The people that talk about themselves, they're not fun to be around. They repel you. Whereas people that make you feel good about you, those are the people that are attractive. And I think that's what humility is, caring about other people more than yourself. And so we've tried to instill that. And when you get that in a football player, and then you get it more than one player. Then you get it in a team. That team can change the school, and I've seen that. You know, when we had those mission trips to the Bahamas, and those kids would come back, and the impact they made in the school, those were just phenomenal days. You know, so again, I do think that uh, again we're trying to teach great character qualities in our young men, and they don't always love it, but that's okay. They're children, whether they think they're grown or not. <laughs> they don't have a mortgage, and so down the road they're going to appreciate those qualities and they're going to teach them to their sons and their daughters and right along those same lines you've really stressed building a culture of teamwork specifically of of urging the the players to be a good teammate putting team ahead of individual desires is is something you stress i've witnessed that once again myself you've been very successful with that mission can you talk about some of the things that you do to craft that culture of teamwork I don't know if there's anything specifically you do. You just, when you see selfishness, you call it out, and you always talk about it. And we talk to the kids every day, literally every day of the school year. Every day we see them in the summer. We're talking about team and discipline and integrity and working hard and being you know, a good teammate and leadership and followership. And there's never a day that goes by that we don't talk about those things. So they're just kind of hammered into their head from the time they get in there as a ninth grader to the time they graduate as a 
a senior, so there's not a specific plan or formula or leadership manual we go through with the kids. I mean, those are great things. It's just not our way, and so I just think it's just – and you got to model behavior, too, as a coach. You know, kids are going to know if you're selfish or if you're unhumble. And so hopefully if they say kids are a reflection of their coach, hopefully that's a good reflection. We're going to go a little bit longer before we take our break, um, but I had one more question before we go to our break, and that's, you know, you've been, uh, from my perspective, you're open about your Christian faith. In fact, you used to have scripture verses posted on the practice field. Does your Christian faith influence you as a coach, and if so, how? It does, I think, in the way you treat people. You know, and that's not to say any of us are perfect. I've got a, a lot of Christian coaches on staff, and we and we mess up. You know, we don't always do it perfect, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully we're forgiven. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, and we've dealt with this before, you know, we wanted to pray with our guys. They said we couldn't pray with them. That got bigger because when we started having them pray at midfield without us, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger, and that was great. God does that. You know, he takes things the devil's trying to use for bad and uses it for good. But I think that just Christian qualities, you know, are, are, are good qualities to have in your program. And in today's world, with the kids bombarded with so much bad stuff, when you just think about what's on their phone, what they can get to on their phone immediately, and they never get off their phones, I don't apologize for praying with them or praying for them or talking to them about good things. Because, again, whether you use a scripture to talk about humility or a story about Abraham humility or Abraham Lincoln to talk about humility, it doesn't matter. You're still using whatever resource you're using. I've always said if you're a Christian coach you want to talk about Jesus, go for it. If you're an Army Ranger and you want to talk about you know Ranger school, then go for it. you got to use as a coach your background. And we've never excluded kids from other religions and, and said, well, that's not good and this is the only way to go, and that's not our place as public educators. I just think that we use our background, and we teach from what we know, and so again, whatever our coaches teach about, I don't think Christianity should be excluded from uh, the classroom or from school, but I gotta say, neither should Buddhism or you know any other religion. I just think that as an educator or as a coach, as, as a role model, as a mentor, you're gonna use your background. But again, we don't force it, we don't mandate it, and I can say this in 30 years of coaching i've never one time had a kid who didn't want to be any a part of any of our activities that they felt that we were you know thumping them with a bible that we excluded them because they're another religion or no religion we've never had a kid asked to step outside you know because we we're going to have a prayer because we don't do it in a confrontational or dogmatic way i hate that i hate Christians that are dogmatic and judgmental and think they're better. You know, sometimes I've said, and I hate to say this, but the worst thing about Christians to give them a bad name is other Christians, you know, because so many Christians can be that. And the bottom line of Christianity is it's about love. You know, Jesus said you'll be known by your love. And if we love kids, whether it's from a Christian background or viewpoint or not, that's what the world needs to make in a better place. There's too much hate and judgment and anger and taking sides anyway, and I don't think that Christianity needs to be a part of that. I think it needs to transcend that, and I think that the way we love our guys is the way they're going to remember us. If we love them well, then they'll think that we were great role models and coaches. If we don't love them well, then that'll be our judgment. 
One more question I'd like to slip in before we go to break. I do want to mention that we missed John Peary from being here. You know, he's done a phenomenal job of covering your situation. I asked John here. not to come because I don't like him. So. <laughs> okay. I wonder. Just kidding. <laughs> no, we, 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 we invited him to be here. And, um, and he, yeah. just, he said no because he doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one thing that I have observed, and uh, you know, I want to make sure I'm getting it right, and correct me, of course, if I'm not, but... If I'm not mistaken, you actually had a policy, or might even still have it, of of not cutting players who aren't very talented, but who persevere and do all the hard work that you demand in the program. Uh, is that accurate? Well, that's easy. I mean, there's not a limit of guys in the playoff or in the in football except for the playoffs, which is stupid, but another stupid rule. But uh, uh, basketball, how many uniforms you have? Maybe 15. Okay, baseball, I don't know, maybe 20. In football, I can have 100. I mean, Alabama, they have 130 on the roster. So it's like, why would you cut a kid if you don't have to cut a kid? If he wants to play, he's got desire. Because here's the thing. High school football and sports in general is the best part of a kid's growing up time. Yes, it is. Think about it. Not just football, but all your memories are... Again, I'm nothing against academics. I love, I mean, I don't say I love academics, but I I respect (laughs) academics. I've been through them. But you don't have memories of your English class. You know, you don't have memories of, boy, that group of kids we had in physics that year was just special. (laughs) But you think about your sports teams and your football and all the sacrifice and the year-round work and all that. And so it's like, if it's the best thing, I've always said this, it's not what a young man gives to us, it's what we can give to him and what we can make his life to be. And so uh, there's been guys on our team that had no ability and never got in a game. But they'll go back and say that, man, it was the best part of my high school career playing on that football team. There's dozens, if not hundreds of them. But let's just say I cut a kid because he had no ability. Now, did I do a good thing? I'm hard. I cut him. That's just ridiculous. Like, it goes back to the love thing. I don't think we're loving kids if we're doing that. But there's only benefits of those kids being on the on the team. You know, there was a joke going around where you say, never cut a fundraiser, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But there's no reason to cut any kids because, again, being out there on that team and being a part of it is just something so special in their life. You know, it's probably their best memories. And that's one thing I've always observed, and uh, Coach doesn't always agree with me necessarily, but if you look at the Apopka football program under Coach Strongton, I see guys that I don't think would be playing for any other, especially Class no. 8A team. I mean, they're not I, what I call them non-I-test guys. Short yeah. short guys, skinny guys, fat guys, <laughs> unathletic-looking guys are, are all have a chance to be a part of a, of a state championship. Now, they can't football be all program. that. They can't be short, <laughs> skinny, <laughs> fat, and unathletic, but that's a bad – but we won't cut them. No, no. They just might not be contributing too much on the field. Off the field, of course. Real quick, if I could jump back to the Christianity side. How is that going to play in Alabama? Will they still allow you? Well, yeah. Probably a lot better better than Florida. That's that's the Bible, Bill. (laughs) The superintendent told me that if they – like they say a prayer on the PA announcement before the game. And everyone bows their head and all that. Okay, but he told me, he goes, if they try to stop me from doing that, I'll have all 8,000 people pray the Lord's Prayer in unison. <laughs> and so that would be something, wouldn't it? So, yeah, it's kind of the Bible Belt. And, again, that's uh, that's something nice. that would be, I'm sure, much more re- well-received in such an area in the South. So, you know, there's that. But, again, that's not the reason I went there. That was just something I learned once I went up there. You're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. We're coming to you live from the front porch at Porky's. Joe Ferraro is here. We're speaking with 
a popular Blue Darter football coach, Rick Darlington. And uh, we'll just skip skip might, the next break. Well, because we got only five minutes yeah, left. Yeah, we got about hour. five more minutes. Unfortunately, it's all. But now, I would like to ask you, Coach, um, have you had a chance to reflect back? And, and if so, what are some of the things? And, you know, we, I could make a whole year-long show just on that. But that really stand out to you as, as your top moments here? As, well, as obviously, win a state championships here is special. Um, doing it with my son, Zach, was great. But Tyler was a great captain, too, and he didn't win any. He kind of was a forerunner. He said, I'm like Moses. I, I, I dragged us around in the wilderness for 40 years, didn't get to enter the promised land. <laughs> Zach did. <laughs> You know, and when Ty was winning all those wars in college, Zach would go, do you have a state championship ring, Ty? So there's kind of a rivalry on that. And, you know, Jackson wanted to win one here, and so that's hard to take him away from that potential. But, you know, he was excited about it. So coaching my sons has been a really cool thing, winning state championships. But it's just all kinds of things. You know, seeing young men succeed. There's a guy on our team this year named Wayne Gibson. He never played high school football before this year. He bounced from school to school to school. He was at Sheeler Academy. And a youth coach, Anthony Fieldings, taught me into giving Wayne a chance to come out. So I gave him a chance. And I, I, I didn't want to do it because I thought a senior never played. He'll spoil the mix. I talked to Wayne. I felt, you know, this kid's worth a chance. Well, then I checked his grades. He had seven credits. I mean, he can't get into our high school. He's got to stay at Sheeler. Well, one of our assistant principals helped him get in the school. He ended up being maybe our best defensive player. He's a great kid. Teachers love him. He has no home support at all. Lives with a cousin. No one supporting him. Okay, He's going to graduate on time. Got him chances to play college football. He's going to get a college degree because he came out to play for a Popka High School. Six months ago, I didn't know who Wayne Gibson was. So stories like that, stories about Tez, stories about Chandler, all the way back 17 years. The stories of young men succeeding because of our football program, and they're the ones that will tell you that. They'll tell you that, you know, I went in the service, I went through boot camp, and it was nothing compared to what we do in one day in the summer. And we hear those stories all the time. That makes you proud. And the thing is, when kids are playing for me or uh, they don't appreciate it much, probably. They probably don't even like it or like me. It takes about five or ten years down the road to realize, oh, my gosh, that was really special. And that's when they start thanking you and telling you good things about the program. But it takes a while. It's like when you're at Paris Island in the Marines, you're not thanking your drill instructor. you know. No, but, then da- but then down the road, that's when you do it. So, again, lots of memories of guys, lots of memories of teachers, faculty, you know, administrators. People of the town, crowds, lots of great memories. No bad memories. It's been a great time. And, again, I have nothing bad to say about Apopka. It's a great place. And I'm, 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 I'm proud to have been the coach. And, and uh, I'll definitely be keeping up with the Blue Darters from afar. Well, we appreciate you joining us today. Uh, time is pretty much all all done. Holly, Jordan Condry's joining us. Holly, would you like to say a, a word or two? And then we certainly appreciate everything that you've done to just to build young men of character you know as you as you have said uh, to, to build young men of, of significance to live a life of significance uh, and um you know and of course all the great on the field memories as well absolutely um i mean obviously this is bittersweet for us coach um and being a multi-generational popkin uh, having followed Apopka High School football for, I'm not going to say how many decades, but several, um, it has been a pleasure for what you've done to our community and raising the bar. And I can only hope that we can continue to, to platform off of what you've done and most appreciative of your family. Thanks. <laughs>
Well, Coach, th- thank you for being here. Holly, thank you for being here. Michelle is here. Thanks for being here. Friends, thank you for joining us in the special day coming to you live from Porkies of the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Now, here's Roger. Yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. We got a kick Roger Franklin Williams. I'm glad you're joining us. Coming to you from Porkies. Pleased to be joined by Coach Rick Darlington, by John Perry, the pocket chief and planner, and of course, Joe Ferraro is here. And the whole Porky's gang is here, too. Steve, Heather, Rebecca, and a bunch of the other guys are out here, and gals are putting together a great lunch for us today. It's a great, perfect place to get your weekend started off just right. Porky's Barbecue in the heart of downtown Apopkin. And, you know, back to Coach Darlington. Coach, I would like to, uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, we were actually talking about the actual offense, nuts and bolts of the offense, how the offense kind of evolved uh, for the 2012 team. But, you know, that was a team that I think obviously very special to all of us, a special group of guys. But it was a team that was coming off a six and five year where we had actually exited the playoffs in the first game. And, um, you know, started off that season one and two. And can you, you talk about, um, you know, just, just just what was it about that, that particular group of guys? You know, the coaching staff blended with the guys that, that allowed us just to, to turn things around so dramatically and uh, ultimately win the state championship. Well, that was a team that I felt that, you know, you've seen teams go from good to great. But we went from awful to great. You know, I felt that year we started off awful, and not just on the field, but intangibles were awful. We didn't have good chemistry and leadership, and so we started hammering away on that. And then uh, then after we got the leadership to try, we didn't have good followership. So we had a lot of uh, painful moments after practice, counseling, we'll call it, uh, our players <laughs> about how to be good teammates and how to care P- about each other. Yeah, P- Dazzy Morris is P- sure P- a little P- about the counseling. P- P- <laughs> Dazzy was counseled often. And so, yeah, that was, um, that was one. I've never seen a team flip intangibles before. You know, the 2001 team, they lost a game in the middle, but they had good – they knew all along we were going to win the state championship as far as that was the year we were shooting for because we knew we had that special class. You know, so that team really flipped their intangibles, which was a special, special memory. And then, of course, the next year was a you know, very memorable season, too. We set the scoring record for the state of Florida – regular season and playoffs very explosive offense but ironically suffered you know you know dramatic injuries early in the season zach was hurt at the nationally televised game on espn up in south carolina to start the season we lost uh you know at least one or maybe more running backs uh robert thomas wound up you know switching from free safety to to running back and leading uh, the state of florida in rushing and we made it to the state championship game that year, even though we did not win the state championship game. Can you reflect on on that season? Yeah, that was a that was that was one that was kind of strange. Just in like you said, we just brought two defensive players over to play offense. They ended up being great, Robert and JJ Simmons. So that was good. That was tough, you know, because again, we're making a run. And my son, who came, you know, he was a preseason All-American, all that, and he he didn't get to play, but he was our scout squad quarterback, and he was just the best teammate all the way through. 
And then in the state game, when we were behind at half, he came up to me with tears in his eyes and said, Dad, I, I can play. We can, we can win. I, I can do this. And he wanted to put on the 12th man gear, you know, the extra gear we carry for games. And, you know, I just couldn't let him do it, you know. But that was what I remember about that one game. So set a state scoring record. That was awesome. It was a great year. You know, you, you hate to, to lose in the finals. But I guess it's better losing the finals than losing the semis. It hurts more, but down the road you look back and you're proud that you got there. So another special year there. Again, there haven't been any any years that have been very good without some sort of adversity. So that was definitely one. And then, of course, the next year was a, a, another special one as well and had its own unique qualities. We won the state championship again in 2014. Of course, we, we went to the state championship game three years in a row, which is extraordinary and wonderful. Um, but that team you know, lost some senior guys like Robert Thomas that, that were very important. You know, had some r- really good guys returning like Chandler Cox, Martez Ivy, and others. But, um, you know, wound up, you know, actually went through a six and, yeah, six and four season and then went into the playoffs as a runner-up, district runner-up, and once again emerged as the state champion. Can, can you talk about how that, that team developed over the uh, season and, and, and ultimately won the state championship? Yeah, that was the thing of that year we remember was we lost some games. We lost to Oak Ridge the first game of the year, and then we lost three games in October, which was concerning because if you're going to lose, you want to lose early. You don't want to lose late. And we lost three in October. But we didn't lose them because of chemistry. We lost them because we were making just stupid mistakes. You know, against West Orange, we had a couple special teams blunders that killed us. Against American Heritage, same thing. You know, we gave them, I think it was a kickoff return, and we, and then we didn't cover a, uh, a kick. When they kicked to us, we let it roll, and they recovered it. And then the whole debacle of Edgewater and the Hail Mary and all that. So I just told the kids then, we just have to cut out the dumb mistakes. You know, so that was the thing. We, we weren't a bad team. We were just making bad mistakes. So once we stopped making those dumb mistakes, and again, Chandler and Tez that year just kind of grabbed us right before the playoffs and took control and dragged us to a state title. So that was that was special, too, you know, just the, being the only four-loss team to ever win a state title. Until now. Yeah, I was talking to someone about it today. I think it was my son, Wyatt. He said, now, who did Mandarin beat? And I go, they beat Columbus. And he goes, that's the team that we beat in 14. I go, yeah. He goes, how many losses did Mandarin have? I go, they had four. He goes, we had four. I go, we're the first team to ever win a state title with four losses. And he goes, and we beat Columbus. So Columbus has lost two state titles and two four-loss teams. I'm going, pretty smart for a, for a, for a 13-year-old to know all that. Yeah, he's paying attention, that's for sure. Coach, it's great to see you here again. Joining us once again, you know, wish you all the best and thank you for so many wonderful memories. Personally, as just a, a fan and a lifelong Blue Darter and former player, but also, you know, as, as we talked about, for the way that you you really worked hard and, and you literally, you know, your, your, your byproduct is you built men of, of who, who are living and are going to live lives of significance and be great American citizens. Well, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's been a great time. I've loved Apopka. The people, everything about it, it's been great, you know, and uh, looking forward to following the Blue Darters as a fan now. But uh, my heart will always be here, that's for sure. John, you have a closing thought here in the last minute? 
Well, I just I'm looking forward to to what uh, the future holds for for both Rick personally and, and professionally in, in Alabama, but also obviously for Apopka here and, and how it'll, uh, you know continue to, to to have a solid program. I'm sure under Jeff Rolson and, and uh, you know it, changes happen. Uh, you live long enough, and, and these things happen. So uh, certainly wish Rick the best and, and with his family. And, and I know it's a it's a good move for his family, and, and uh, certainly understand it and, and wish him nothing nothing but the best. Uh, like I say, personally and professionally, and uh, uh, you know just understand that uh, they, they may not have as, as much many traffic jams in, in lower Alabama as they do around here but uh, I'm sure that's something he's looking forward to but uh, you know Popka will continue to to have a, a solid football program I'm sure John thanks for being here today on the special day Joe thanks for your great work thanks to Alan in the studio and thank you coach for being here it's always it's always great to have these conversations with you both and off the air on and off the air absolutely hopefully they'll continue Friends, uh, great. Thank you for joining. We're going to have lunch at Porky's. Please come up and join us. Have a great day. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Now, here's Roger. Yeah. Welcome back. And we got a kick Roger Franklin Williams from Badger joining us. Coming to you from Porky's. Pleased to be joined by Coach Rick Darlington, by John Perry, the pocket chief and planner, and of course Joe Ferraro is here. And the whole Porky's gang is here too. Steve, Heather, Rebecca, and a bunch of the other guys are out here and gals are putting together a great lunch for us today. It's a great, perfect place to get your weekend started off just right. Porky's barbecue in the heart of downtown Apopka. And you know, back to Coach Darlington. Coach, I would like to, uh, you know, we've talked about this, and we were actually talking about the actual offense, nuts and bolts of the offense, how the offense kind of evolved uh, for the 2012 team. But, you know, that was a team that I think obviously very special to all of us, a special group of guys. But it was a team that was coming off a 6-5 and five year where we had actually exited the playoffs in the first game. And, um, you know, started off that season one and two. And can you, you talk about, um, you know, just, just, just what was it about that, that particular group of guys? You know, the coaching staff blended with the guys that, that allowed us just to, to turn things around so dramatically and uh, ultimately win the state championship. Well, that was a team that I felt that, you know, you've seen teams go from good to great. But we went from awful to great. You know, I felt that year we started off awful, and not just on the field, but intangibles were awful. We didn't have good chemistry and leadership, and so we started hammering away on that. And then uh, then after we got the leadership to try, we didn't have good followership. So we had a lot of uh, painful moments after practice, counseling, we'll call it, uh, our players about how to be good teammates and how to care about each other. Dazzy Morris is sure a little about the counseling. Dazzy was counseled often. And so, yeah, that was was one. I've never seen a team flip intangibles before. You know, the 2001 team, they lost a game in the middle, but they had good – they knew all along we were going to win the state championship as far as that was the year we were shooting for because we knew we had that special class. You know, so that team really flipped their intangibles, which was a special, special memory. And then, of course, the next year was a you know, very memorable season, too. We set the scoring record for the state of Florida, regular season and playoffs. 
very explosive offense, but ironically suffered, you know, you know, dramatic injuries early in the season. Zach was hurt at the you know, nationally televised game on ESPN up in South Carolina to start the season. We lost, uh, you know, at least one or maybe more running backs. Uh, Robert Thomas wound up, you know, switching from free safety to, to running back and leading uh, the state of Florida in rushing. And we made it to the state championship game that year, even though we did not win the state championship game. Can you reflect on on that season? Yeah, that was a that was that was one that was kind of strange. Just in like you said, we just brought two defensive players over to play offense. They ended up being great, Robert and JJ Simmons. So that was good. That was tough, you know, because, again, we're making a run. And my son, who came, you know, he was a preseason All-American and all that. And he, he didn't get to play, but he was our scout squad quarterback. And he was just the best teammate all the way through. And then in the state game, when we were behind at half, he came up to me with tears in his eyes and said, Dad, I, I can play. We can, we can win. I, I can do this. And he wanted to put on the 12th man gear, you know, the extra gear we carry for games. And, you know, I just couldn't let him do it, you know, but – that was what I remember about that one game. So, set a state scoring record. That was awesome. It was a great year. You know, you, you hate to, to lose in the finals, but I guess it's better to lose in the finals than lose in the semis. It hurts more, but down the road you look back and you're proud that you got there. So, another special year there. Again, there haven't been any, any years that have been very good without some sort of adversity. So, that was definitely one. And then, of course, the next year was another a, a special one as well and had its own unique qualities. We won the state championship again in 2014. Of course, we went to the state championship game three years in a row, which is extraordinary and wonderful. Um, but that team you know, lost some senior guys like Robert Thomas that, that were very important. You know, had some really good guys returning like Chandler Cox, Martez Ivy, and others. But, um, you know, wound up, you know, actually went through a six-and-four yeah, six season. And then went into the playoffs as a runner-up, district runner-up, and once again emerged as the state champion. Can you, can you talk about how that, that team developed over the uh, season and, and, and ultimately won the state championship? Yeah, that was the thing of that year we remember was we lost some games. We lost to Oak Ridge the first game of the year. And then we lost three games in October, which was concerning because if you're going to lose, you want to lose early. You don't want to lose late. And we lost three in October. But we didn't lose them because of chemistry. We lost them because we were making just stupid mistakes. You know, against West Orange, we had a couple special teams blunders that killed us. Against American Heritage, same thing. You know, we gave them, I think it was a kickoff return, and we, and then we didn't recover a, uh, a kick. When they kicked to us, we let it roll, and they recovered it. And then the whole debacle of Edgewater and the Hail Mary and all that. So I just told the kids then, we just have to cut out the dumb mistakes. You know, so that was the thing. We, we weren't a bad team. We were just making bad mistakes. So once we stopped making those dumb mistakes, and again, Chandler and Tez that year just kind of grabbed us right before the playoffs and took control and dragged us to a state title. So that was that was special, too, you know, just the, being the only four-loss team to ever win a state title. Until now. Yeah, I was talking to someone about it today. I think it was my son, Wyatt. He said, now, who did Mandarin beat? And I go, they beat Columbus. And he goes, that's the team that we beat in 14. And I go, yeah. He goes, how many losses did Mandarin have? I go, they had four. He goes, we had four. And I go, we were the first team to ever win a state title with four losses. And he goes, and we beat Columbus. So Columbus has lost two state titles and two four-loss teams. I'm going, pretty smart for, for, for a 13-year-old to know all that. Yeah, he's paying attention, that's for sure. 
Coach, it's great to see you here again, joining us once again. You wish you all the best, and thank you for so many wonderful memories. Personally, as just a, a fan and a lifelong Blue Darter and former player, but also, you know, as, as we talked about, for the way that you you really worked hard, and, and you literally, you know, your, your, your byproduct is you built men of, uh, who who are living and are going to live lives of significance and be great American citizens. Well, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's been a great time. I've loved Apopka. The people, everything about it, it's been great, you know, and uh, looking forward to following the Blue Darters as a fan now, but uh, my heart will always be here, that's for sure. John, you have a closing thought here in the last minute? Oh, I just, I'm looking forward to, to what uh, the future holds for, for both Rick personally and, and professionally in, in Alabama, but also obviously for Apopka here and, and how it will uh, you know, continue to, to, to have a solid program, I'm sure, under Jeff Rolson. And, and uh, you know, it, changes happen. Uh, you live long enough and, and these things happen. So I uh, certainly wish Rick the best and, and with his family. And, and I know it's a it's a good move for his family and, and uh, certainly understand it and, and wish him nothing, nothing but the best, uh, like I say, personally and professionally. And, uh, uh, you know, just understand that uh, they, they may not have as, as much many traffic jams in, in lower Alabama as they do around here, but uh, I'm sure that's something he's looking forward to. But, uh, you know, Popka will continue to, to have a, a solid football program, I'm sure. John, thanks for being here today on the special day. Joe, thanks for your great work. Thanks to Alan in the studio. Thank you, Coach, for being here. It's always, it's always great to have these conversations with you both in off the air, on and off the air. Absolutely. Hopefully they'll continue. Friends, uh, great to thank you for joining We're going to have lunch at Porky's. Please come up and join us. Have a great day. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 